What is up, guys? Welcome to the MMA On Point live chat. We are yet again back with another episode. Uh, if you don't know me, I am Jason Artley. I'm the co-owner of the channel. I'm joined by my co-host, as you've now known him for the, I don't know, past couple of months now. What is up, Pizzi? How are you doing today? I'm very sweaty, but other than that, I'm very happy to be here, as always. <laughs> How are you? You look like a, um, a 90s like skateboarder kid with the backwards hat and stuff. I like it, dude. It's good. You got Just the hoodie. Band called uh, Limp Biscuit, so <laughs> you know, basically going with the same vibe today. That's it. Oh, this okay. banger called Rolling. You should all check it out. Oh, okay. Awesome. What? Just keep rolling. rolling. What? Just keep, just keep rolling. Run. <laughs> what? <laughs> Best joke ever made on the show. Um, speaking of which, we got Lawton now that he's holding his head in shame. Uh, now I that can't he's heard believe that. that's how we just started off this chat. <laughs> quoting Limp Biscuit. That's 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 how we're doing, guys. That's how our day's going. So thanks for joining us. We're, we're gonna we're gonna sign off. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We are rolling. That's right. Well, yeah, so we got some interesting things going on this week, of course. We got another fight card. We're back with that. Um, we got a bunch of news that kind of came through and we're still reacting to from last week that had to do with Leon Edwards and Hamza, and then we're now finding out that he's going to Vegas. Uh, there's a new study that's been published um, by Bloody Elbow in kind of conjunction with what happened with New York Post about um, fighter pay uh, and how that works with those backstage bonuses. So we'll dive into that a little bit. So I say without further ado, let's jump right into the Kumite topic, and then we'll get into the regular live chat after that. So Kumite, you guys are familiar with the concept of this. It's just jumping in rapid fire into concepts. So it's kind of a quick way of breaking the ice with these topics, and then we'll get into it, the live chat portion with all you guys in a bit more detail. Cool. So, um, yeah, I guess with that being said, I'll start kick us it off. off, baby. All right, guys. So, as you most of you know, in the chat, who should take the first question? We got the headline on the screen right now. So, type Jason if Jason should take it. Type PT if PT should take it. Do that now while I preface it. So, put your votes in the chat. So, guys, the first headline we got is Blades versus Lewis. Um, and it's a simple one. So, we got that fight this weekend. So, what are your thoughts on this fight? And what does it mean for the division? So that's the first topic we're doing. Let's see, jump over to the chat and see who we got. Do, 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 three for Jason, one for PT, two for PT, four for J. Ah, Jason's, I think, taking this one. Oh, two people it. said Lawton. That's not going to probably happen today. We'll, we'll see. I really <laughs> so, didn't want this one, you know? All right, so Jason, we're going to toss it to you <laughs> for the first one. So Blades versus Lewis, what are your thoughts? You got one minute. You ready? Yep. All right, starting now. Yeah, so I think this is probably a pretty easy one. I mean, if you look at the favorites right now on their website, the UFC has a minus 400 favorite versus plus 300 for Derek Lewis. So Curtis Blades is by far and away the biggest favorite in this fight. I think for good reason. I mean, we saw Derek Lewis up against much smaller wrestlers like Daniel Cormier, uh, famously ankle pick him and get a rear naked choke on him. Curtis Blades is a much bigger, much more imposing. And if your name is not Francis Ngannou, he is pretty much the guy in the division to keep your eye on. So um, in terms of who I think is going to win, I have to go along with the the odds makers because I think it's the right call. I think he is going to wrestle him. I think he's going to keep him on his back. The bigger you are, the harder you fall. And in Derek Lewis's case, yes, that means he can sometimes push you off. But Curtis Blades is re uh, Curtis Blades is really big himself. I think he'll easily win this one. Um, and I also think for the division, I think Curtis Blades sets him up, sets himself up as that next guy, uh, probably behind the the title fight here. So keeps his place. Nice, nice, <clears throat> nicely done there, Jay. Right on the minute mark. Yeah, bro. 
Love it. All right, Pizzi, we are tossing it to you. You got one minute. You ready? Absolutely. All right, one minute, Blades versus Lewis. Tell us your thoughts. You know, everything says that Blades should win this fight. He's a far better tactician. He's a far better <laughs> technical fighter. But there's just something about Derek Lewis where you absolutely have no idea what can happen when he's in that octagon, you know? Um, he surprised us so many times with just Hail Mary punches out of nowhere. Like, as well as, like, even sometimes when he's in against a good wrestler, he'll just stand straight up. It's the most bizarre thing you'll ever see in your life. He's just such a weird anomaly in that division. Um, I agree with Jay. I think you've got to go with the sensible money and go with Curtis Blades with this fight. Um, he's on a four-fight win streak. And his last wins actually got even more impressive uh, against Volkov based on what Volkov did against Overeem. I think um, it could be a very boring fight. That's the one bad thing about this. Lewis tends to explode for a second when he wins a dramatic fashion. The fight could be absolutely seconds. poisoned all the way up to that point. But um, this could be a bit of a stinker unless it's ended quickly. But uh, yeah, a big fight though for the heavyweight division with number two and number four, I believe it is, yep. taking on each other. Nice. Good cool. call. Um, are you excited for this fight? That's a bonus question. <laughs> no. Yeah, me neither, to be honest with you. Yeah, because it feels like a foregone conclusion, right? Well, like the whole the whole card, like, you know, people need to realize that the UFC aren't working off with their full arsenal at the moment because of this COVID situation. International fighters True. aren't getting into the US the way they used to be. Um, that means that lower caliber fighters are given opportunities, which is great, which is one of the plus sides of this. But unfortunately, from the viewing um, public, that doesn't really make it the most the, the most high-level MMA you're going to see in the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's been like that for the last six months or so, but it's just one of those cards that it does have a few gems in it, but it's it's you can tell it's not what the UFC usually bring to the table. It's the same with the pay-per-view last week. You know that the pay-per-views are usually a lot stronger, but you got to give UFC credit for getting to these events and getting to put them on in general. So, you know, it is... It is far better to have fights on than not have fights on. And it's great to see people getting opportunities, but it doesn't result in a great card sometimes. And I think this is one example of that. Yeah, I agree with you. There are some international fighters like you're seeing Ketlin Vieira and Yana Kunitskaya, but a lot of them are located in the U.S. And Brazil has a little bit better relations throughout COVID than other countries do of wanting to travel here. But uh, with that being said, you brought up that there are a few other gems on this card. That leads us to the next committee. Yep. Show enough. All right, guys. <clears throat> so chat, same thing. Who should take this one, Jason or Pizzi? Go ahead and put that in the chat. Jason took the first one. So we'll see who you guys think should take the second one. And the second one, we got the headline of Favorite Fight. Um, outside of the main event, which we just talked about, obviously, the card doesn't have a lot of huge name value. So what fight are you personally most excited to see? Hmm. So that is the question. Let's see who should take it. Looking like Pizzi, actually, on this one. Whoa! You actually got some fans today, man. It's... Shocker. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's nice of you all. All right, Pizzi. So um, outside of the main card, what's your favorite fight? Who you looking for? You got one minute starting now. So my favorite fight, and I may or may not go to bed directly after this fight, given that I'll be up till <laughs> 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, is Tom Aspinall v. Andre Arlovsky. Tom Aspinall has been heralded by the MMA media in the UK and Ireland as a potential future champion. We tend to get ahead of ourselves a lot and say that a lot, but <laughs> he's 3-0 in the UFC so far. His father is a, a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's been training jiu-jitsu since he was a kid. He's also trained with the likes of Tyson Fury mm -hmm. um, as a boxer. He has an undefeated boxing record as far as I know too. He is a member of Team Kelvin. 
with Darren Till. So this is a big, big fight for him. It's, it's a name opponent, uh, other than his, his other fights in the UFC haven't been against the biggest name. So this is the biggest spotlight of his career against Andre Arlovsky. And we're going to see a lot from him because, look, I know Arlovsky isn't seconds. the most winningest fighter. Uh, the UFC have at the moment, but he is a pro. It is very hard to put Andre Arlovsky away at the moment, so I think we're going to learn a lot from this one. And uh, yeah, Tom Aspen will be Andre Arlovsky. Cool, good stuff. All yeah. right, Jason, same question. One minute, favorite fight it. outside the main event. You got one minute Yoop. starting now. Yeah, so I have to go with my hometown boy on this one, Nate Landewehr. He's from Clarksville, Tennessee, a very you know random town in ten- Tennessee where. I almost said it with the right accent, Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> we're the fifth biggest city in Woo! Tennessee. Whoa, go figure. Uh, it means nothing. Yeah, represent. <laughs> and it's always funny because he's always shouting out St. B, which I find is kind of funny because it's not like a super hard part of town. It's kind of just like where the mall is. <laughs> you know, it's like that's probably its biggest namesake. It's like, oh, the mall's over there in St. B. Um, but he's uh, he's a really cool guy. I've got a chance to interview him in the past. Got to put a spotlight in the hometown fighters. There's not a ton of people that come out here. Dustin Ortiz lived in Franklin, Nashville. Of course, Michael Chandler, but he's you know he's really from Missouri. There are not a whole lot of hometown guys coming out of here, and uh, so I'm excited to see him on here. Uh, of course, it should be mentioned though that we have uh, Dracar Close versus Ju- uh, Luis Pena. I almost said Juliana Pena. Whoops, <laughs> different thing. <laughs> But so um, excited about that fight as well. And the Tom Aspinall one is a great one. Huge prospect. I'm glad you mentioned that. But uh, I got to go with a hometown on this one. I got to be biased because it's so damn rare. So there you go. Cool. Missouri, baby. (laughs) (laughs) North Carolina. All righty, boys. Well, that brings us to the third topic. Uh, So we're kind of changing gears off of this weekend right now. So same thing again, chat. Who should take it? Pizzi or Jason? Not me, because I don't really know where these are going. So put PT <laughs> or Jason in the chat. I'm going to give a little background reading on this. So we got the headline of accepting fights. Said Colby recently put out a tweet saying he doesn't want to fight Leon Edwards. And Edwards said he didn't want to fight Wonderboy in the fall. Masvidal played the game to wait for Usman. Everything happening with fights being turned down at lightweight. So needless to say, it feels like a ton of great fights are being left on the table or delayed. Is this unusual, and what are your thoughts on that? So that's kind of the background. So let's see here. Ooh, looking like PT again. Son of a bitch. Oh, my God. I think, they're, I think I they like you today, PT. They're actually... It's because I'm wearing a hat, I think. My hair usually offends them. I think it is, yeah. It probably <laughs> definitely is that. That Limp Biscuit reference, man. Boom, 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 boom. The Undertaker oh, is coming out on a motorcycle soon. All right, PT, you got one minute on the topic, accepting fights, and is this all unusual, everyone just declining it? So you got one minute starting now. I don't think this is necessarily unusual, but it is a big problem at welterweight at the moment. Um, Obviously, uh, we referenced Leon and Thompson. We also referenced Colby Leon. And the situation at the moment is they're waiting for things to play out. I think they're waiting to see if Usman or Masvidal can be signed before um, that will kind of put pressure on Colby to sign for Leon. But I think the biggest issue here is the fact that Dana White brings these things up in press conferences before he's consulted with the fighter. Mm. So if you remember on Friday before the pay-per-view last weekend, Dana was at the press conference and he said, oh yeah, we're going to do Colby v. Leon. The next day, John Morgan asked him, anything happened with Colby and Leon? He was like, that was yesterday. And we're like, Mm. well, what does that mean? 
I just think you need to sort these things out behind the scenes. Um, all this stuff about Clout, um, I get it. He wants the biggest name, but if they're booked, he's going to have to take on Leon and imagine for Colby. But everything will be sorted if they just paid them more money so they weren't worried about who they're fighting and, you know, what guy will get them more attention. If they were being paid better like the other professional sports, I don't think this would be a problem. Sorry, I went over. You're good. You're good. That was, <laughs> You're good. was a good take. All right, so Jason, That's it. on to you. Same thing, one minute about accepting fights and everything going on, starting now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm always going to be on fighters' side on this issue. I always appreciate the idea that fighters are wanting to get paid more, and I think they deserve it. But I do miss the old days. Um, I do think it is unusual if you look at the long-term history, but that's also because the sport is making more. You know, you think of Chuck Liddell turning down a fight. You think of Carlos Condit turning down a fight. Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz was lambasted and will forever be known for, you know, not taking that fight on the terms that people wanted him to. Um, and you look back at, you know, all throughout history in MMA, it usually looked that way. And that tells you how much the sport has grown. But um, yeah, I, I tend to fall in the same lines here. I think it is something that you do have to put on the promoter. I, On one end, I do want the incentives to be there. If you sell more, yeah, you should get paid more. If you're the biggest star, then yeah, you should get paid for it. But I also think that the UFC can do something to mitigate that because it's happening all over all over like i think it's really bad right now in particular really bad cool all right good stuff boys uh so moving on to the fourth headline for the kumite crunch we got so same thing i'm a broken record chat who should take it jason or pt we got two more to go total so leave those comments in the chat and we got the headline of hamzat to vegas and that is referring to after reports of Hamzat saying he felt like he was going to die last week and the Edwards fight being canceled, he is now being flown out to Vegas with the hopes of fighting in June. So what do you make of this whole situation, kind of just dealing with what he's going through right now? So mm. let's jump over to the chat. Do, 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 do. DJ See, Jason, Jason, Jason. <laughs> yep, Jason. <laughs> what are you doing over there, PT? DJ Lethal. All right. Just, just so. scratch. A little bit of scratching. <laughs> a little bit of scratching, little DJing over there. I like it. Working on some raps for my new metal band. <laughs> for your new rap metal band. All right, so Jason, you did win that one in the chat. So you got one minute on the topic of Hamzat going Hello. to Vegas. <laughs> so you got one minute, Jason, starting now. I, I think this is something that shows the UFC and how good they could be. Um, how at their maximum level when they really care about a fighter. Um the, the weird thing is, you know, you watch that documentary that was put out that had his manager speaking about it. And it was the one where that famous quote about him feeling like he was going to die. Dude, he's straight up not wearing a mask or anything. Like, there's a point where the cameraman bumps to him. He's like, I don't want to film right now. No mask on. Meanwhile, he's clearly suffering some of the most extreme that you can get for somebody with his health at his age that doesn't have a pre-existing like, heart condition who's on a ventilator or something, you know? So uh, it, it was a bit shocking to see that. And I do think that he'll get better care in the U.S. just by virtue of watching that one video. But um, I think it's really uh, a good move for the UFC. It's a good look for them. I question whether they would do that for everyone seconds. else. That's what I hope. I hope that this is setting the model. Anybody who's having this kind of issue, definitely do that for them. Don't play favorites. They're your athletes. They're on your roster. Take care of them. So I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move for them. They should be doing it. Great point. Yeah. All right, PT. Same topic. You got one minute. You ready? Yeah. All right. One minute starting now. 
I'm glad that they're doing this. I mean, Hamzat is obviously one of the biggest prospects in the world, probably the biggest prospect in all of MMA at the moment. So I think this is absolutely warranted. I think they need to wrap this guy in cotton buds, cotton wool even, and, um, <laughs> you know, get him back to his best. But the thing is, right, why did they feel the need to book this so many times? Like, we knew these guys had COVID and we were booking it like a couple of weeks after we found out that they were... They had COVID and we knew that Leon Edwards had lost a stone, uh, sorry, 14 pounds in weight uh, because of this stuff. Like we knew there was huge issues, health issues with COVID and yet we're rushing them back into camp. I said this back in January when this was booked with Jay. I said, we have no idea if this fight's going to come to pass because they haven't given enough time. I think they didn't give it enough time. Not to say that this is why this has happened, but I can't imagine that rushing the guy back into a gym and making him train immediately after having this bout with COVID helped him. So I'm glad to see it's happening, but wish they hadn't rushed the, the whole process of rebooking that fight twice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. All right. We are moving on to the last Kumite topic. This one's kind of a lengthy one. So last one, who should take it? I think... Who's in the lead right now? Who's taking three? Are you guys two and two right now? We're two and two. Two and two. So this is the tiebreaker round. So chat, who should take this one? Jason. Don't break my heart. My <laughs> breaky oh no. Oh, you know, no. don't no. get out of here. Some country We're gonna make music. a metal version of that. All right, Julian Marquez. I know you're trying to get in good with Miley Cyrus, but you don't have to sing her dad's songs to do it. Come on. I'm after Billy. I'm not I'm not looking for Miley. <laughs> Oh, All right, man. so we got the headline UFC bonuses. Everyone's starting to put their vote in the chat already. It's looking like PT. I'll just I'm gonna go read the question and then we'll come back to that. So, headline of UFC bonuses. So it's like I said, it's a long one. So just go with me for a second, everybody. So a new study recently was published by the New York Post detailing fighters' backstage bonuses, aka the ones you don't hear about. They were analyzed by John Nash at Bloody Elbow and compared with his own 2016 study. So basically, the average fighter is receiving three to four thousand extra, and the main eventers are getting near twenty-five thousand on average extra. But the interesting thing was how the how a few fighters noted that when they spoke out against Reebok or in favor of a fighter union, their bonuses were dashed or no longer given. So hearing this, what do you think of the situation around those backstage bonuses? So just generally, what are your thoughts about that? Do you believe it? Is there truth to it? What's going on here? So let's jump to the chat. Let's see the votes we got. Seeing. Yeah. Ah, PT, you might be our winner today. I think you are. I saw a lot lot more PT than Jason. So PT... God it's it. a big topic, UFC bonuses. You do have one minute, so gather your thoughts and let me know when you're ready. You ready? Just so emotional with the approval from the people that I, I don't know if I can get through <laughs> this, but I'll give it a go. All right, you got one minute starting now. Um, yeah, well, first of all, John Nash, what a legend. Um, he, he's one of the best in the game. He has a completely unique feel over there, bloody elbow, and fair play to him for going through this because when it appeared in the New York Post, it nearly looked like um, a fluff piece to me. It mm. nearly looked like, oh, look how great the UFC is. But when you break it down, you know, the the, the bonuses aren't crazy money. And, and we know how little of a percentage the fighters actually get from the UFC's pot. I, I think you got to look at the weakest link in the fence. And, and the weakest in terms of the UFC are the people who are just freshly signed for the UFC. You're on a 10 and 10 contract. You get 10 for showing up. It's very hard to win the UFC. You might lose and then you're going home with 10,000. Um, if that's your living wage for the year, 
like there's no guarantee how many times you, you can fight so i mean you get a four thousand bonus thrown on top of that it's not the best thing in the world um i i, I personally think it's great that they've gone into it because i don't think it's all that great the the, the least paid player in the premier league is on 156,000 mm. pounds a year um, the vast, vast majority of the Premier League of MMA, which is the UFC, will never see that money, and it's a disgrace. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not all, I'm not bowled over with the bonuses. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I've definitely got some thoughts here too. All right, Jason. So you got one minute on the topic UFC bonuses, starting now. I think it's great. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, so, again, this kind of goes back to this issue. You know, let's look back at Nate Diaz making 20 and 20 to fight Michael Johnson in 2015, a week out from Conor McGregor fighting, you know, for I think it was about 500000 up against uh, Jose Aldo at the time. That was before he was making multi-million uh, just easily. But it, it shows you the disparity in the sport and where things are. Again, it comes back down to just why are you doing 20 and 20 in the first place? Just give them fucking 40, you know? And I get incentivizing. I get incentivizing people that bring the money. If you're a massive pay-per-view star, you should absolutely be compensated with pay-per-view points and what you're actually bringing to the table. Absolutely should. But there's this bare minimum that should be there. When people are making 10 and 10, that sounds like a lot to people because for some people that's their year salary but in reality all the fees that they're putting into it's just not enough and these bonuses are laughable when you look at what they usually are um so it takes away a lot of that mystique that says oh but we don't know what they're actually getting paid behind the door behind the doors because it's really not that much extra so yep there you go cool do you know what I, i'm thinking about this jay how much did Joaquin Buckley get? Because there was so much shy talked about, oh, this guy, this guy's going to get so much <laughs> money. And then we just never found out how much money he got for one of the greatest KOs of all time. Now he's not going to be favorable for the UFC because he's lost his last fight mm. against uh, Alessio de Chirico. But, like, what happened there? Did he get 200000 Is he set for right. a few years of his life, at least, for giving him that highlight reel? I mean, we never know. And, and the fact that they've given us this bit of um this bit of information shouldn't have us jumping up and down and applauding them compared to all the major sports they give a very low percentage of their um of their profits to, to their actual athletes who are putting their brains on the line for us every weekend yeah and to give you guys some specifics here so you know um some of the ones that we mentioned were you know when kobe bryant you know rest his soul when he was at the fighter summit a couple of years ago um leslie smith while she was still on the roster asked him as an nba player then at the time how important was the NBA's Players Association? So when you want to think about Reebok, you want to think about ESPN, the TV deal, the Players Association guarantees that they have rights. And also under USADA and things like that, it would give them more rights to have a say into what the process would look like. So they're not showing up. Like if you watched our USADA video that we put up yesterday, which is pretty appropriate on that topic of showing up in the middle of you having sex, five in the morning, you know, like telling you, you have to take an emergency piss test five minutes before your fight and you end up cutting yourself like Pettis did on the, somehow on the, on the vial, whatever, whatever you call that, uh, to sample it. Um, they're very specific cases of this happening. And so you'll see them, you know, pulling it away from people that kind of using it as a tool to kind of, and I understand it too. You know, people are going out in the public and they're disparaging the company. I mean, you can't name very many jobs where you could just say, fuck Walmart. And your boss happens to see that and doesn't fire you the next day and you work at Walmart, you know? So I understand it to a certain extent, but also on the same token, they're complaining about very real issues. 
they're not making enough money in most cases for most of these people most of the time and yeah they're upset about it and i i understand it a little bit more you know like when the strikes happened uh in i don't know in in the mlb you know major league baseball there were signs that fans would show up to the arenas it's like oh what is five million not enough for you you know so i understand that there is an excess level but we are not at that in the ufc we're not at that in any way shape or form especially for the average rank and file people there and nick nate diaz rather is the prime example of that 20 and 20. somebody who was put on the main card was a major part of selling that card and getting people to tune in on big fox back when they were on Big Fox. It wasn't behind a paywall. It was on national television. And you're putting this guy up as a marquee name and you're only paying him 20 and 20. It's just, um, it's a bit of a, you know, a topic that it's almost like beating a dead horse because we've been talking about this for so long. But I think it's also a responsibility as fans, as, you know, people that are in the media and do have a voice to talk about it because who's, who's going to stand up for the fighters, you know, and I'm not saying that we're necessarily like doing anything great, but I think it should be talked about more. This stuff should be out in the open. It should be talked about. So I think it's a disgrace as well. You know, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's great to see, like, you know, we're very lucky at MMA on point because we have such an educated fan base tuning in to listen to us every week. And that I'm, I'm being genuine. That's, that's a big thing mm. because I always see it on Twitter when, you know, uh, something might come up about pay and and a lot of the fans are on the ufc so you've got to realize if you don't have these athletes you don't have any fights yeah and look it's great what the ufc have done it's amazing to be honest what they've done in, in the space of 25 20 years 20, 30 years it's unbelievable and, and it's great that they've done that but at the same time you need to pay respect to the athletes who are getting in there and people don't realize that you know you're talking about these people on their first contract that are guaranteed just ten thousand. They're putting so much money into the camp. They're getting specialists involved. Even the food they buy is costing hundreds a week. And then they could get injured two weeks before the fight. They've spent maybe, you know, a couple of grand, three grand on the camp. They're injured. They can't fight. You got It's called show money for a reason. If you don't show up, you don't get paid. And then they're out of pocket. Like, mm. it, it's... They, they, they have no protection, really. I know the UFC brought in the insurance thing. But if you got injured, then they'd pay for your rehabilitation and stuff like that. And that's great. But it's only a baby step. We need more steps towards the UFC the UFC fighters getting a fair shake from the promotion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people are laughing about you calling them educated. But the funny thing is the very fact that you're laughing is showing that you're a little bit more educated because you're a bit more jaded than the average population of MMA fans, yeah. particularly on Twitter. So, yeah, when you look at the greater YouTube videos that we've done that do over a million views, yes, we can't guarantee that all of those million people, but the people that are in this chat, absolutely, because the kind of questions that we get from you guys are really great. And uh, I think it shows that the people that are tuning into these things, they're a little bit more the diehards for sure. Um, yeah, I fully agree with you on all of that. Um, and just maybe educated was the wrong word. Watch more MMA. Maybe I should have said, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, it is funny to me and it is ironic that when you say something nice, some of the people actually respond with says not a, a nice comment. Says about me, Jason. So, says a lot more about them. Yeah, I, it, it is odd, but, um, we do have a, a couple chats here. So there's one super chat from Clyde Walton clips. He literally just gave us $4.99. Yeah, appreciate it, Clyde. It didn't even say a comment with it. Um, but I am interested to see what uh, other people are saying about these topics. Um, how many broke fighters are out there peddling to Home Depot? Says Bout Better. 
Um, was there a fighter that was uh, working at Home Depot? I feel like that's a story. I'm not sure what Bout Better's talking about specifically, but I do feel like there was a, literally a fighter that worked at Home Depot and had to go back to their job on Monday after a fight recently. Jeff Neal had to take a job. One of the top welterweight contenders. Who's working world. at like Texas Roadhouse a... or something like that? It was like yeah, a restaurant. Last year. Yeah, yeah. Last year. Yeah. What, like, what? How can the UFC not realize that? Like, this guy could be interviewed by a huge publication, and then they're like, "Oh, so uh, you know." How much of your day is spent training? Well, when I get home from my eight-hour shift, <laughs> uh, then I start doing some sit-ups. I mean, it's it's insane that that even exists at this level of the sport. It really is. Yeah. Um, and it's a bad look for the UFC. Terrible look. To be fair with Jeff Neal, I think at that point, he actually went back to help them out, not just like just being a good guy. But that still was true for most of his UFC career up until that point. You know, so... Um, but I, I do think as late as it was talked about last year, because he did put out a statement about that. So just to be fair to him. Um, Sounds like he was afraid the bonuses were going to get taken off the table. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> and then so he literally went to serve at tables. Um, talking about bonuses, if Neymar applauds the crowd after a football match for PSG, he earns another 380K. I don't Imagine even know what that's in that reference that rich to. that you're like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to clap at these fuckers today. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, is he talking about uh, world football or is he talking about American football? No, Neymar plays for Paris Saint-Germain. He's like the, the most high paid uh, footballer in the world. He plays for Brazil. He just struck a deal. Actually, a big thing about Israel Adesanya's Puma deal mm. was the fact that Neymar had had a Puma deal that week as oh. well. So it showed that. They're kind of holding these two guys in the same light, which is massive for MMA. Is 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 this a facetious comment that he's talking about about like going out there and uh, you know uh, applauds the crowd after a football match? He makes more. It, was that a joke or was I, that a real I thing? I wouldn't be surprised, man. The guy is on outrageous money. Like some of the stuff you hear wow. about in these footballers' contracts, like if they hold up a drink after the game, it's two hundred thousand and stuff. I don't know if that's yeah. true, but PSG is like the most unbelievable you know money hmm. club in the sport i guess at the moment they have a deal with jordan stuff like that um and his his whole his transfer to psg changed european football basically hmm. because everything that moved out everything that moved around because of it so i wouldn't be surprised at all i, I don't know enough about the game to know if it's true <laughs> but i wouldn't be surprised if he had a very similar deal if not that specific deal well to be fair you know um guys like vitor belfort and uh brennan schaub when the reebok deal did come around were saying that they were making millions of dollars that just got taken away from them from what they wore out to the cage so to be fair it's not at all like if you're like the superstar on top of that for for your club then that that actually does make a bit of sense uh, it seems like a an exaggerated price it might be real but um Devin Burkett, I guess he's talking about the main event, says this may go down as one of the most boring fights in UFC history, talking about Blades versus Lewis. You could be right about that. I mean, heavyweight fights, when they go boring, they go hard in that direction. <laughs> they go, they get real boring. I wonder if there's uh, any Europeans listening. I just want to know if they're going to stay up till 6 to watch this bad boy because I'm really debating it. Um, I'm thinking about watching Aspinall hitting the hay, then waking up and getting the rest of the firefights in in the morning. But um, I want to know what you guys think. Am I, am I turning into a casual? What's happened to me? <laughs> I mean, I do that already, you know, as an American for Ryzen and one cards pretty often. One tends to be a lot better. You know, sometimes like, you know, I watched Demetrius Johnson, one of his fights in one at about 10 a.m. my time. 
you know, I forget which fight it was uh, particularly um, of the couple of fights he's had, but they usually tend to do better. Whereas Ryzen, man, a lot of times I'll just watch those the next day. I just will because it's just so late. And so unless it's a fight you're really stoked to do, I don't blame anybody for going to bed uh, on the UK side. When I would be freelancing back in the day, I used to have to watch the whole UFC till six o'clock in the morning. And I'd cover that for a newspaper Mm. in the UK. And then after that, I'd be covering Ryzen for MMA fighting or something. And that would come on at 7 a.m. So you got a break for like half six to seven. And then you're straight back in. And then the intermission would kick in at about midday, about 12. And you just want to die. Die. Just be like, how how can I do this? How can I do this? Dude, you'd have to sleep all Saturday to make that possible. That's just unreal to go through that on your Sunday. Jesus. I didn't even think about that aspect of it because, yeah, Ryzen starts, you know, like an hour after. It's And that that break is brutal. It gives you a little bit of time to work on, you know, stories or whatever you have around the UFC event, but then you're just right back in it. It's just like, geez, give me two hours. Yeah, Let me get a nap. Life doing that shit. <laughs> I don't doubt it, dude. I don't doubt that at all. Well, um, let's see. Let's see what the, the fans are saying here. I mean, Blades did finish JDS. Howard Train, you do bring up a really good point. He has been finishing people on the feet lately. I think he's the most complete fighter he's ever been. But I also think it's Derek Lewis. You know, even Francis Ngannou famously. It was after the Stipe fight for sure, but he was still really gun-shy. He didn't want to get knocked out. He wanted to protect his career because Derek Lewis is that dangerous, even if you're Francis Ngannou. So I think Curtis Blades is going to play it safe. Like you can't very hard to prepare for lewis like if you're another heavyweight because he's just so awkward nobody fights like him as i was saying i've seen him underneath some great wrestlers and he just stands up yeah just pushes him off him work so hard to get him down a guy a man mountain like that you've probably like gassed yourself out getting him down to the ground and then you just stand up and just stare at you and then suddenly (laughs) throw this lightning bolt of a hand at you and then it's over it's it's insane like sometimes you're watching Derek lewis and you're going oh my god how is this lad even in there? And then, boom, he'll just explode in a second. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah, the Olenek <laughs> fight, When I remember when he took him down, it was like, oh, it's over. Olenek's got him. And uh, Derek yeah. Lewis found his way out of that situation. And Olenek wasn't long for that fight after afterwards. So, But uh, just jumping in, um, I don't get it. Everyone bitching about fighter pay. Don't accept the deal if you don't like it. Well, Jake, where else do they go? Where, if you, this is there's, your dream. Twitter, guys. Good yeah, stuff, Jake. Th- there's the Twitter comment. Jake, so seriously think about that. If this is what you want to do for a living and you say, I want to sign up for the premier league in the world, the best one, you don't have any other options. You know, you could go to one, you could go to Bellator, but until you become a star, which is a very long, windy road, I guarantee you. So here's the other side of that, Jake. If if the fighter pay was more, imagine how many more fighters we'd have coming into the sport because then they'd have a guaranteed path to saying, all right, I got a decent career underneath me. You know, people, bench warmers in the NFL make way more than that. Way, way, way more than what we're talking about with what Diaz was making on a Fox, Fox card with 20 and 20. If you live in that world where you think it's that simple, then I guess just pick any dream out there that you have and just imagine it sucked in terms of pay you might change your tune and move over to something else. Imagine the job that you're in right now. Imagine what you're studying in college. Just about face, pretend that that job is about to suck. 
you're not going to be happy about it. You're going to complain about it. And you're going to try to do something about it. And so what we're doing right now is actually trying to bring it up, trying to make it a part of the conversation and a part of the public consciousness. We're trying to do something about it. So if you just are the type of person that just says, well, that's just the way it is. And then you just go get a shitty job at McDonald's. That's essentially what you just broke down, Jake. You're not actually trying to improve things. You're just saying accept it for the way it is. Why would you do that if you don't have to? That's ridiculous. Like, I mean, like what percentage, Jay, honestly, would you would you say of fighters? Like, and it could be a big percentage. Like, what percentage of fighters right now do you feel like uh, pull over 100,000 in a year? In what the UFC? percentage of fighters? So there's about 500 in the fighters in the UFC at any one given time. If we said it was the top 10, that's 50 people, you know, ish. What, what are there? What are there? 10 belts in the UFC? 11 or 12? I have to think about that one. Um, actually, let me, we'll just count through it right now because I don't want to say something dumb. So we got flyweight, bantamweight, featherweight. Like I shit myself there. Uh, lightweight, <laughs> welterweight, uh, middleweight, light heavyweight. So um, that's seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12 if you count featherweight. Featherweight doesn't count because they don't have a top 10, so it doesn't work for this. So that's uh, 60 fighters out of about 500. So we're looking at best case scenario, and I don't think everyone in the top 10 is making that much, but if we go optimistic, about 10% of the fighters in the UFC are making around that 100,000 if they happen to fight enough. If they just fight one time that year and they have to deal with injuries, which is a very real part of the sport, they might wa walk away with as little as a third of that, you know, for the people that are on the periphery like. Like, Jake, you got to realize, like, you're a consumer of this sport. And these people are going in. And, like, look look at uh, the Spencer Fisher article uh, Stephen Rocco wrote for MMA Fighting. Like, that's how, that's a reality here. Like, mm. people can end up completely ruined Spencer from Fisher's a and great like, example. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. Go, like, what are you complaining about? Get in there and scramble your brain for 10 grand, you lunatic. What's wrong with you? I've got shit to do. I'm trying to eat yeah. these chips and watch a goddamn fight. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you got to you got to hold the athletes to a higher regard. And that's, that's why the union would be so important. I think we're a million miles from it still. And, and, and given that we are a million miles from it still, the UFC should be presenting an alternative to yeah. keep people happy because it's going to just keep going. That The union conversation is going to keep on going until people feel and are satisfied that the UFC are doing nothing but good by the fighters. And I don't think that day is going to come for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, anything you're saying about them trying to go for higher pay for, for fans and media to, to vouch for a higher pay, you could have literally said about the NBA just a few years ago. You could have said that about the NFL a few years ago. You could have said that about the MLB. You could have said that about any of the leagues around the world. Um, you could have said that, but they changed it and that's going to happen in MMA. So you don't just sit on your hands and just complain about it. You do something about it. So there you go. I can't stand people with that. Ooh, that really, really basic mindset on things. That's like really frustrating to talk to people like that. But, um, I, I don't know. Maybe Jake's, you got a good point back. I don't know, but that is pretty rough first statement. But does anyone else consume a sport? Like, like I, I used to watch, um, you know, a lot of sport, um, you know, say like football, soccer in the, in the, the, the Premier League in England. Like no one's ever like, come on, the Premier League. You know, no, no. Does people watch the NFL and be like, instead of supporting a team or a player, they're like, yeah, NFL. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if that exists in any other sport. It's so strange to me. And I think yeah. it's because Dane is a celebrity. 
Mm. And the UFC, those three letters are a bigger celebrity than the vast majority of fighters can yeah. be. And they've set it up that way. That's very strategic on their part. Yeah. But I, I just don't see it in any other sport where people are like, yeah, the organization. And and you see it all the time on Twitter. It's so strange. You really do, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, Jake, you've got a response to that. We'll get to it in a minute. But, um... He had a response on it. Oh, was it, was it not a good one? <laughs> He just said, believe it or not, no one's going to change anyone else's mind a majority of the time, which is a whole different issue and a topic. Yeah, Jake, I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm why did you write in trying to change our minds then? Yeah, what did you... What were you, what were you trying to do then? <laughs> what was your point? <laughs> you literally just tried to change our minds. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, people's minds do change because there is an NBA association, there is an NFL association, there is an MLB association, there is that for NHL. Any other major sport, people's minds were eventually changed. So what you're trying to advocate for is uh, something that is based on a, a poor premise. You think that these things will never happen because you obviously haven't looked into it. I mean, that, that's honestly where it comes down to. I know I'm coming down hard on you, but you're obviously coming down hard on the fighters and what you're saying. So yeah, I'm responding in kind. So there you go. I don't have to be nice. <laughs> Sweet in here, no way I'm staying up, says M.M. Anderson. So there's somebody with you. Faith Rocks, I probably won't even watch it. Uh, watch the highlights the next day, to be honest. You're making me feel better, guys. Thank you. Faced <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Rocks is super hardcore. I mean, she's she's watching everything out there. She, uh, a lot of times in the chat, she's correcting me on stuff. She knows what she's doing. Um, let's see. Worst case scenario is Blades being un unable to finish Lewis with ground and pound. They're both gassed halfway through the second round. Yeah, I, I would say probably somewhere around that third or fourth round. Um, if it's still going then yeah, SOS should be showing up in your eyes as you're watching it. Just like, Oh God. It's, it's the greatest gamble in all of MMA, the heavyweight main <laughs> event. It really is like, apart from like the title fight, like it's such a, it's a, it's such a crazy roll of the dice. And I know the one I won't watch live will result in the most spectacular knockout of the year. Probably, you know, that's oh, usually man. the way it goes. It can go that way. Yeah. It, uh, like heavyweight is just so back and forth on that one. It, it can go one way or it can go the exact opposite way. And, uh, yeah, there aren't that many that are just great knockout or they're not that like with a, a really boring decision. There's just not that much in between. It really is that kind of division. Richard enormous Dixie enormous. I get the joke. Random question. Do you remember Elias Theodoro? He had a bad fight middleweight and got cut immediately after never understood what really happened. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, obviously you know he's known for being the invicta ring boy <laughs> ring guy ring girl uh equivalent uh so yeah he's a really beloved fighter really uh cool guy um i do think that his career was a bit fledgling i'll be honest and the fights weren't that exciting i don't think that's a reason why you should cut somebody you know i think you should cut people based on their merit and what they're actually performing like but his record was pretty mixed up I do think it was a bit random. I do think it was premature. I think he should have had another shot. But yeah, that, that one did kind of come out of nowhere. So Before it was cool as well, Elias was talking about uh, the fact that USADA should um, completely take away any prohibitions on uh, marijuana and stuff. And I know now mm. they're all for it. They're signing deals with CBD companies. But it wasn't so long ago that that was still probably a bit of a taboo to be speaking out against uh, Usadi, who are contracted to the UFC. I'm not saying that's the reason. I'm just thinking of, uh, based on what we were saying about the bonuses situation and how people felt as though they weren't getting them if they spoke out. I'm just saying that that's one thing he definitely was very vocal about. 
Yeah, and I guess to be fair, you know, his record was a little bit better than I remembered. So he had a win over Sam Alvey, Cesar Fajaya. He lost to Brad, uh, Brad Tavares, beat Dan Kelly. Um, Dan Kelly obviously had a lot of hype around him for a while for being the most... <laughs> he's probably even more Oldest of a dad bod. Yeah, like he probably had even more of a dad bod than, I don't know, Cormier because he always had like the leg braces on that made it look like he wasn't even in shape to fight. Um, Trevor, don't call Dan Kelly. <laughs> Dan Kelly's awesome. Uh, Trevor Smith, he had a win over Eric Anders. He lost to Derek Brunson. And then he had one more win, Hermani Perpetuo. Um, that was four wins uh, out of five. So Derek, Lew- uh, Derek Brunson, rather, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis on the mind. Derek Brunson was the one loss he had in five fights. So to be fair, I mean, it, it was pretty random cut. Um, not that many fighters get cut off of a win either. So, I mean, I guess in hindsight, it was a little worse than I'm remembering. I just know when he usually got to that kind of middle of the stack level, he usually did lose. And that was kind of the reason why I wasn't that bummed about it. But uh, obviously, it's easy for me to say that because I'm not the one fighting. That's not my career. Shampoo sponsor. He's the most (laughs) amazing hair, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, we got Luke Rockhold, um, Alan Joban out there getting these like big sponsorships. I think like Alan Joban had like Giorgio and Armani. Like, holy shit. Gucci, that's what it was. Gucci big big blue chip and, uh, sponsors Rockhold was um uh ralph lauren right yeah ralph, ralph lauren yeah um the interesting ralph lauren sorry how do you say it over there <laughs> we probably say ralph lauren i'm second guessing myself now well it's he's american so i'll give you that one like you know what i mean i, I mean i'm saying it wrong hey there. say nike say nike say it wrong again it's an american brand god damn it nike. yeah i don't know how i'm the, going for a hike it's, in my nike <laughs> most people are playing basketball okay so the rhyme doesn't even really work <laughs> playing basketball in my nikes i ain't no nikes um pt Ike, looks more handsome Nike. today somebody somebody saying that in the chat that you look handsome today uh dixie normous again oh, i got a facelift yesterday yeah <laughs> moisturizer uh, forgot to say yeah i got a facelift um process was arguous but uh yeah just figured you guys needed a bit of a break from my hideous face. So uh, went and got it sanded down for you. Stretched across <laughs> my bones. I love it, man. Heavy uh, hitter hot sauce company gave us $5. The best content for MMA fans anywhere. Ooh. Thank you. Appreciate you. And I uh, hope your hot sauce is good. Uh, two video requests. A video about amazing performances with shockingly low pay. Actually, I do think we did do um, a video about that once. Uh, let me double check on that because that's a dynamite video. Maybe that's it's one that we thought idea. about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that Nate Diaz is going to be right up there at the top. Um, and then best belt winning bombs. So like the best knockout wins that got you a belt? Like, What do you mean by best belt winning bombs? But I, I really like the first idea. I think it's really solid. I definitely think if we haven't done it, we should look into it. It does sound familiar, so maybe we have, but... Irish Technical That'd Thinker giving us a, a compliment here. Keep up the amazing work. MMA on point. All deserved. Massive credit. Thank you, Irish Technical Thinker. Uh, I did see Big Beat Visual in here either, uh, by the way. So speaking of uh, Irish folks, we got that's uh, one of our Irish video editors, Tomas Welsh. Is that, by the way, so clear the record on this. So we've been calling him Tomas Welsh in our videos, but we've been his, like suspecting that he's been trolling us because it's spelled Thomas no. Walsh. And he's saying it's an Irish pronunciation. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, that's son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> so, like, Sean is John. Tomas is Thomas. Um, Padder is Peter. Um, 
I don't know what Jason is. Wait, Patter? And we don't have Lawtons over here, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I wish we did. I wish we had. I wish I, we had loads of Lawtons. I think it's moving now. That's because y'all suck over there. This, this name. <laughs> true. This name is. Where is it on the screen? That is a one of a kind right there, baby. <laughs> one a of name. a kind. Obviously, it's got to be German. A lovely, lovely name. Honestly, I'd never, I'd never met anyone called Lawton before. Yeah, neither have I, I. I struggled with it for the first day. I kept on, what is it, Jay? He's, like, <laughs> he's sitting right there, buddy. Dude, yeah, try living with it. I've gotten, I've gotten all the pronunciations in my lifetime. What did Baleen call you? I don't, what did he? I don't know what he called me. What did he call me? I think it was like I think I don't know I would have thought he I've, would have just like put a British accent on it with different pronunciation yeah, like Lawton but Land, he didn't go that route. I've right. gotten Landon, Layton, Luton. I don't even know what that word is. So yeah, it's just <laughs> it's I've gotten it all. Dude, Luton over here getting it done. Um, let's see, but well, I'm seeing Oven in here. I'm also seeing uh, Anthony Walker. He said those rising intermissions are brutal and lose me every time. Hundred percent agree. So it's good to see some of the team in here. Team in here. Hoden Hassan up in here, a bunch of the chat. So while we were on the we'll subject, had to give everybody the shout outs. JT Vo says there's only one Lawton. Um, let's see, Zach, only one JT Vo as well, though. That's true. Yeah, I, I do think, though, his actual first name is Jack, you know, to be fair. Uh, so Don't ruin the mystery. <laughs> Don't ruin the mystery on me, Jason. I thought he was Chris and JT Vo, and now I'm disgusted. His actual birth name was JT Vo. They were like, mm, JT Vo. That's it. That's it. <laughs> jt vo smith that's his name it's one name there's actually a dash legally in his name to make it work <laughs> um zach batista lawton can we get an age confirmation for jason he looks 20 and 50 at the same time oh shit <laughs> um i am 20 and 50 at the same time i'm a, a science miracle i i was forged with the same technology as two-face that's, that's very good <laughs> i'm 34 so i mean you could split the difference pretty much literally so i'll be 35 in may god damn it um he you said you're goddamn right says jt <laughs> hey what's up grayson i haven't seen grayson in the chat in a while Ovin, are we talking about ma on point butchering your name oh yeah because if i try to say Ovin's last name he made fun of me because i can't i i just can't do it you know he's from sri lanka i mean i'm i'm a stupid american i'm gonna fail miserably on that one I bet you I'll fuck it up even more. So um, if they want some entertainment, just send me his name and I'll try and say it. So what I want to say is Vithanage, but I don't think that's right. Um, I think he, I think I said Vintage last time, but it's Vithanage, I think is what it is. Let's see. That's a hard 34, Sis Faith Rocks. <laughs> hey, they said I look like 20. Jason has Lego here. Here we go. Now we're talking about me. Um, Jason was frozen as sperm for 20 years. There it is. Ovin oh. St. Prue says deuce leaf. There, there we go. All right, so I think we're going to move it off of talking about me. Oh, Ovin just said nope, by the way, on saying his last name. Not even close. Um, Let's see. By the way, I am a fan of football as well from uh, Namer Bonus is real. Okay, the Namer Bonus Whoa. is real. It says hi there. What the fuck? Messi's oh four-year God. contract is worth 555 million euros plus bonuses from Barcelona, plus sponsorship from Adidas, as you guys would say. To be fair, for the Nike comparison, it's Adidas. We say Adidas in the United States. I had to correct myself as I was saying it. Adidas. Protect the fighters. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, good point to bring up there. So, I mean, you want to talk about fighter pay in other sports. I mean, $555 million, That doesn't even sound real to me. 
like i don't even think like ceos of like walmart and target you know like the biggest superstores in america are making anywhere near that like what are the what are the owners of the clubs making what are the owners of the leagues making well, are you I sure think, it's 555 was it 55 was that a typo there hi there but go ahead. no i think i think that's right yeah like um there's a podcast about it it's called uh the transfer that changed the world you should hmm. look it up i only listened to it recently it's very interesting um i can't remember who did it and oh it's the athletic it the athletic their their football coverage is amazing soccer and um, like i don't even follow the sport that much but i still read articles on there um because it's really interesting how they do things if you do have an athletic um subscription Check out that podcast, Neymar, the transfer that changed the world. It's really, really interesting. Mm. By the way, since we're talking about football, you know why we call it soccer here? You've already heard this. Lawton's already heard this. You, you're tired of hearing it, but it was so fascinating for me to hear out. We, did, we didn't we come up with the name soccer. soccer. Yeah, you used to play in their socks. Soccer just used to be called football back in the day, and so did rugby. They, were, they actually diverged from the same sport. Your hands used to be more, more part of it. Rugby actually was named after a school where they came up with those specific rules. And so over time, it just it became known as rugby. But at first, they called it rugby football. And they called soccer, as we know it now as football, association football. And so over time, they started shortening that to a soccer. And that became soccer. And that came out of Oxford. That's actually an English convention that made its way around the world. So if you go to New Zealand, they call it soccer. In Canada, they call it soccer. In America, we obviously call it soccer, and it's famous for that. But we never came up with that name. And the reason why we call it football football is because ours evolved from rugby football. And at the time, football was the name nobody was using. They were calling it rugger or rugby, and they were calling soccer soccer back then. And then eventually rugby just became known as rugby, and they dropped soccer altogether and just went with football. So for the people out there, you know, just talking about naming conventions and how we do things separately. I just want to correct the record. That's how it worked. Don't be mad at us. There's Americans. only one real football, though. Gaelic football. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's so weird uh, that you call starting. it Gaelic football, but you call Irish Irish and refuse to call it Gaelic. Right? Is that a thing? Like people get mad if you call yeah. Irish Gaelic? No, Gaelga, uh, um, he speaks Gaelic is how to say Gaelga in, in Irish, I believe. So oh. um, I, I think... I'm not too sure on that, actually. There's t too many languages going on there. It's very confusing. <laughs> hey, there you go. Professor Hartley, nerd, says uh, Anthony Walker. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at moving to the UK, so I'm, I'm definitely a nerd right now, especially on that specific topic. As if imagine I wasn't that, a nerd beforehand. But Imagine down the pub on a Saturday, uh, Jason standing up in front of the screen and telling everybody what I didn't now. come up with the name. You did. And then, and then they just like throw their beers at me and I just go out with a bunch of stab wounds. His head. Okay, I'll sit down. That's why I'm bringing my guns to uh, England illegally. I'm just going to bring them as an American. That's what's going to happen. Have you sent that gun over to me yet, Jay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on the way, dude. It's on the way. Um, yeah, thank God. Jay Tiva says that's good and all, but football is football. Gaelic is an that's adjective. Right. Gaelic football, baby. What do you mean Gaelic is an adjective? It's a noun. <clears throat> Straight up a noun. I don't know. But anyhow, we are way off topic. Usman all day, <laughs> yeah, every day. Wild today, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tangent City. Uh, Darp, Darpin Bouillon. I have no idea how to say that. Says Usman all day, every day. He's going to be as dominant as GSP, if not more. Well, I mean, he's already passed Woodley, you know, and he also beat Woodley as part of that. But like, 
they're tied in terms of records, but I definitely think you got to put him in the pecking order above Woodley. And right now, I think the number two spot, I would still have to say is Matt Hughes because he had five title defenses. At the time, he was a legacy champ. Nobody else had five title defenses except Tito Ortiz. And by the time he lost to GSP, by the way, no shame in that loss. No, BJ Penn, no shame in that loss. Um, Tito Ortiz had already lost his five fight uh, belt streak, five title defense streak. So, I mean, uh, I do think uh, you do have to grade it on a scale and for the time that it was in, and Matt Hughes deserves that. I still think Usman's opposition is, you know, no doubt the toughest you can face right now. I mean, welterweight is just an insane, you know, uh, wheelhouse of just murderers. So we'll have to see what happens. I think Leon Edwards should be next on that one. But uh, Usman right now, he's making his claim, no doubt about it. There's no more footstop Usman after that performance and the Colby performance. I think it was just a short notice fight with Masvidal. I think we'll see a different one if they fight again this summer, like they're potentially planning. What do you, what do you think on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Usman is number two now, I have to say, and it's based on what you said, uh, the opposition that's there. I think welterweight's thriving. Mm. Um, but I, I will say that we we tend to do this, this recency thing where we're like, as soon as a guy won last weekend, <laughs> we're like, He's the best. And look, I, this guy could have a absolute legitimate point that Usman could go on and um, beat GSP for the all-time great welterweight. Usman's certainly good enough. He's proven it time and time again. And he's beaten the vast majority of guys who are in that title coaster at the moment. But to just say that the greatest fighter in the history of the sport will be overdone, like be overwhelmed by Usman's um, run at welterweight, it's, it's just way too much too soon. Like nine title defenses... It's one thing to get the belt. Holding on to it for that long is absolutely sensational. And mm. as, as much as Usman might do it, it won't be easy. He's only halfway there. I mean, it's not going to be easy. What GSP did was absolutely sensational. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest things we've ever seen in the sport. So to just kind of whip it away and say, oh, well, Usman's going to do it. It's not really embracing how difficult it is to do that in mm. MMA in a sport where there's so many ways to lose. You know, so many, so many ways to lose. Dude, I mean, um, imagine if that that one punch landed just a bit different from Gilbert Burns. Could have been lights out. If it just landed in a softer spot of his head, you know, like uh, you know, like what G, uh, Connor did to Dustin Poirier in the first fight, you know? Burns is going to be kicking himself for the rest of his life for that passage where he just lay on his back and was staring at Usman, letting mm. him come back into the fight. I don't know how how, how important it was, but to to hurt him, and then give him that opportunity to get back into the fight just seems mad to me. And he literally sat yeah. there on like lying on the ground looking at him. And, and look, it could have worked out great if Usman had dived into his guard and he pulled off a submission. We'd be all going, "What a genius, Gilbert <laughs> is!" But the problem is, it didn't happen like that. He had plenty of chances to get up, and Usman ended up stinging him with a punch, if you remember correctly. And then yeah. suddenly there was this Gilbert where I need to get back to my feet immediately, and that's when the fight changed. Mm. And um, yeah, unbelievable. Fair play to Usman. Yeah, I, I think you make some really good points there. Uh, it is a really tough road to make it to nine title defenses, and then he also has the middleweight win. So let's let's give respect to Usman on the road that he's on, not try to get too far ahead of him and let him do his thing, you know, not put too much, I don't know, pressure on it, if that makes sense. But I think Usman's like, I think everyone should be full of praise for him. I think he's yes. obviously one of the greatest fighters in the world at the moment, probably top two, three, if you're, if, if you're still including Habib in the mix. Yeah, I, I totally wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, there's some killers right now. I mean, dude, 
I mean, I, I'm still salivating over what we're about to see on March 6th, you know, with Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blahovich. I mean, Izzy is one of the top guys in the world right now, too. Happens to be from the exact same, you know, country, which is just fascinating. But he's going to be looking for his second belt. And then he's also talking about trying to chase John Jones, the heavyweight, you know. We'll see how things go. But when you talk about the top pound for pound right now, it's a very, very exciting picture. And John Jones, you know, I thought he lost to Reyes. I was there at the event, you know, I was doing coverage for that one. I thought he lost, you know, but um, still officially in the records, he has not been beaten. So John's reign isn't over, you know. Um, there's a lot of great things going on and we'll see if Habib does come back, you know, you never know. And Stipe, he's got, <laughs> we made that meme, by the way, shout out to Oven if he's still in the chat for making that one about Usman talking about how he doesn't get enough respect and he's got, you know, in Joker paint, literally the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, just staring off in the distance, like Stipe Miocic, just like, that was great. Th- yeah, great, great, great uh, meme there. Cause I mean, that is the place that Stipe's in. He's the underdog against a guy he's already beaten. And to be fair, I'm one of the people that thinks in Ghana who's going to beat him and so he doesn't get enough respect and i'm one of the people that probably should give him more respect it's a tough place to be but he's in that running as well you know he's uh he's got the longest running streak uh of title defenses in heavyweight division history something that hadn't been broken for uh, you know the entire uh you know since 1997 until he became champion nobody broke three consecutive title defenses it was two. Three. It was two before that. It's three for him now, but he's champion again, and he's on another streak now because he um, he won the belt. Uh, obviously, he started his streak by beating DC again. We'll have to see with this fight, but that already puts him back at two, tying the previous record, and see if he can you know match his own record with one more fight. If he beats Ngannou, I mean, who who do you predict to beat him? You know, it would be a one punch knockout scenario of a Rosenstruck, but I think I would have him as a favorite over Blades in the moment. I would have him as a favorite. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jones is the only one, right? But based yeah. on what Jones said this week, he's nowhere near signing to fight a heavyweight yet. So, yeah, those uh, <laughs> negotiations have not gone better. Irish technical thinker puts out Steopic. <laughs> got a nice uh, Joey uh, fan up in here. But uh, we got a couple super chats. Um, let's take a look at these. Nathan Andrews, $4.99. If Nunez wins against Anderson at 259 do you think the UFC shutters the 145-pound division and starts building women's 105? Oh, wow. Now, that's an interesting question. I don't think the two would necessarily be connected. Yeah. I don't think they will start with the Adam Waits just yet, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I feel like featherweight has gone so badly for them. Like, mm. to think that we are... Like the way Dana shoots down the suggestions of a 165 pound division, and to think that he has 145 going, Oof. and there's four people, yeah, maybe at a stretch, being as kind as I can, there was four <laughs> people in the division, you know, like that's, that's a great that's point, not an overstatement. Like, I mean, 165, there's a bunch of fighters like dying for that division, yeah, it comes up every week, someone will say it, just drop it in, just in case, you know, 165 mm-hmm. and nothing, and yet we have a division with three people in it or something and they have a belt and everything i just don't get it yeah yeah i think uh if they did that 155 165 175 185 smooth that out i think we got a much more interesting picture because a that would mean that some of those guys uh that maybe are a bit big for welterweight would be able to come back down i mean i don't know if kelvin gaslam can necessarily make it down but we got the robert whitakers who used to be a welterweight that five pounds would make a huge difference because right now I mean, that's a, that's big for some of those guys. And then you can, can see that for somebody like Colby. He's not the biggest welterweight. 
He's not. He's a really slim, lean welterweight. He could easily make 165, in my opinion. I'd say Leon could do. Yeah, Leon could make it. Um, so, I mean, the problem with that, though, it does kind of cannibalize the division to a certain extent because those are, you know, two of the top five guys right there, you know? Um, Stephen Thompson could arguably make it down. I, I know he's not one of the biggest guys. He was telling me when I interviewed him that Michael Chiesa cuts down from 210, whereas mm. Wonder Boy's cutting down from like 190, 195. I know some lightweights that cut down from 190 to 195, like um, Eddie Alvarez at 223 when Habib was going through that whole fiasco of it was supposed to be Tony, then he tripped on the cable, then it was Max Holloway. People asked Eddie Alvarez if he could make weight, enter bus, yeah, and all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, those were just the first two names that ended up with Ali Quinta. But um, when they asked... Eddie Alvarez, who was still in the UFC at the time, if he could make it, he was like, no, I'm 195. There's no way I'm making it down on a week's notice. Mm. So, I mean, you could definitely see somebody like Stephen Thompson cutting down from 195 to 165. Absolutely. Wonderboy's really tall, though, right, Jay? Yeah, he's a lean guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, I mean, he's not that tall. He's about my height, about six foot, you know, somewhere around there. I, I think we're I around the same height. I met him once. Yeah, maybe it's because I'm shorter than you. How tall are you? <laughs> Looking. I'm, I'm like 5'10". <laughs> I'd say Max. Oh, that's like the average height, though. To be fair, I don't know. I'd have to. I think I'm five ten or five eleven. I'm not too sure. But um, I can just remember seeing Wonderboy. I got off the plane with Wonderboy <laughs> in uh, Abu Dhabi, or we were on similar flights that got in at the same time, and he looked so tired after the flight, <laughs> and he just has all these kids like around him, and I just sail right through because I'm not famous. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> poor fucker like just standing there like and he's being absolutely wonder boy about yeah. it giving everyone as much time as they can being the most lovely guy in the world but you look him in the eyes and say you are so tired man you are shattered yeah. but he still was still a complete professional like i he was still there when i was getting to my taxi and that was like 45 minutes later after i got my baggage and stuff so wow he really is one of the loveliest guys in the world that is not a joke yeah, I could even see, like, because our shoot was fairly long with him because we did two videos, and I was like, oh, you're dead inside right now, but you're being the nicest dude on the planet. I could tell that you just want to get on with the rest of your day, and so we, we sped it up. I would love to be like, I'm such a horrible prick. <laughs> like, I could never. I just, like, straight away, fuck you. I'm not doing it. Kids, oh, blah, blah, blah. Fuck off, and I'm gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, but in, in uh, relation, so, Nathan, you had a really good question there. I mean, I think they probably, you know, shit or get off the pot you know the typical adage there do it or don't with 145 either try to make it a real division or get out of there and i know it's a good look for amanda nunez and you know in in one sense i mean it's actually them kind of taking care of their fighter by letting her carry around these two belts and it be like this legitimate thing but at the same token you know i don't think 145 is a viable division unless they start bringing in somebody like Kayla Harrison and they start making moves there, which is at a minimum a year great. away because she's got a whole tournament ahead of her. That would be great. And she can make 145 because she did an Invicta. So that question is no longer there. Um, but outside you, of Jay. that, there's not much. I think we don't have a lot of time left with Amanda. I really, I really do. Too. I really I feel as though she, she is going to retire soon and only then will she get the plot as she probably deserves. Mm. Um, I don't know why she hasn't been embraced more by the LGBTQ community. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if I got that right. I hope I did. But, I mean, she is an absolutely Wrong. amazing no, story. <laughs> she is absolutely tremendous. What an athlete. Like, what? 
I, I just don't understand how she's not a bigger story. Every time she fights, I'm like, this is insane. Mm. Her story is insane. Yeah, it is. And I feel like, I don't know. It, it's just, it's a it's a documentary waiting to happen, right? You know, yeah. in, in 20 years' time, ESPN are going to do a 30 for 30 on Amanda Nunes, without a doubt. One of the best stories in all of the sport. I just feel like, how isn't it this bigger? Even though she's big to us in MMA, mm. huge, I feel like her, she is... She should have transcended the sport a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's the greatest female fighter of all time. There's At this point, there can be no doubt because she beat all the other contenders. She just did, you know? And uh, Shevchenko, she beat her twice. The, the Shevchenko fight, I feel like that's going to be like the one that cements it. If she beats her again, then it's just going to be like, man, like... She can Isn't retire. Amazing, she can retire the next day. She could retire now already, but she could retire the next day and just be like, you did it. You did it. <laughs> like... You just beat everybody, you know, like Kayla Harrison, I think is too far off, you know, at a minimum a year away. I mean, it's just phenomenal, you know, but, um, I think they probably should shut the doors. I mean, maybe that's one reason to leave it open until she decides to hang up, uh, to hang up her gloves as a, you know, homage and as an honor to what she's doing in her career currently. Um, then, yeah. And then 105 was the other part of that question. I do think they should definitely bring that class there. I mean, Michelle Watterson was a 105-pounder. Um, there's some other people underneath the card that were, like, undefeated until they came into the UFC and had really tough fights. Like, Loma Lukbunmi is not a name whatsoever in the sport, but she was an international, like, champion coming from China. Had an incredible career. And then she comes over, and what was her first fight? I think it was Angela fucking Hill. And, you know, people weren't that high on Angela Hill a couple of years ago until she really started stepping up her strength of schedule. And I thought she beat Claudia Gadelia. And there was an argument that she beat uh, Michelle Watterson. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a really tough first fight. And that's what a lot of 105 pounders are coming into. I mean, there are a lot of talents there. There's definitely more talent than there is 145. I just don't think Dana's oh, hot on the idea at the moment. I don't. I just don't think he wants to do it yet. I think it's like 165. I don't know what he's waiting for, but he's evidently waiting for something obvious. He's waiting for a star. I think that's what he's waiting on. But he's, he's already got Michelle Watterson, though. You know, to be fair, she could be their first champion if he's always putting her on videos and putting her in main events. But sorry, go ahead. I, I think he's waiting for something to happen, like something like deep jewels or rise and collapse, so he can go in and raid their mm. arsenal because they have unbelievable talent at those lower weight classes. You know, they, they usually yeah. have uh, female that move up for a straw weight and stuff like that. So he might be waiting on something like that. Like, wait wait for, you know, a whole roster of talent to be um, available for free agency and, and then jump in. But I think if you're dead right, like, they can't have 145 happen again. They need to know that mm. the same mess that happened at 145 will not happen yeah. at Adam Weight. And I just don't think they're there yet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they are either. I would love to see it, though. But, um... Moving it on to Master Fisher, five dollars. Uh, do you think Burns will bounce back from his loss? Do you think that Usman could become a two division champion? In so, uh, if so, which division? Definitely not one fifty five. I don't think there's any way that dude's making it out. Maybe if they made one sixty five, he could cut five more pounds from what he's doing now. But man, even then, I mean, that's a hell of a, a squeeze. Uh, like it's literally a squeeze. I mean, you're trying to get all that water weight out of you. It's just I don't think he can wring any more out of that go. towel. Yeah, um, one eighty-five. That's gonna be a tough one. Uh, let me double check on this, but he's not the biggest, uh, you know, welterweight. To be fair, we got oh, guys like DC beating you know giants like Gus, you know. But 
Is he not? He he's he's a big dude. Usman's surely one of the biggest welterweights. He's stocky as fuck, but I don't think he's that tall. You know what I mean? I think he would well, look undersized. That? If they were gonna do that first card in Africa, do Israel v. Cameron oh Usman God. for the? Oh well, no, he's six feet tall. I mean, that's not terrible for 185. It's not. I mean, it's not. Robert it's Whittaker's not big for the six, division. Yeah, Robert Whitaker, um, you know, guys like him, uh, you know, obviously Darren Till's got up there, which, uh, you know, I think would be a good fight for him, who is at the top of the ranks. Let me see, what is Robert Whitaker at? Actually, can you can you help out with this? Let's, let's clue the chat in on this. So, so he's actually shorter than Usman. He's 5'11". Um, so let's look up uh, Kelvin Gastelum. How tall is Kelvin Gastelum? Because that's another one okay. that got up to the top of the division. Gave Izzy his toughest fight to date. So, I mean, there's definitely an argument to me. Oh, he's 5'9". Okay, so actually, you know what? This is convincing me by looking at it. I was thinking he was closer to 5'8", uh, 5'9", five, five, that Usman was. But he's actually six feet tall. Um, Somewhere Marvin Vittori is screaming at his computer because he just said that Cal Calvin Gastelum gave Israel Adesanya the, the best go. Which I agree with. I agree with you, Jay. But every time <laughs> Marvin's asked, he's like... Why is everyone always talking about Gaslam? I gave him his hardest fight. No, you didn't. <laughs> You're just wrong. <laughs> You're just wrong, Vittori. You gave him a good fight. There we go. One of the best. But boys. you didn't rock him. You didn't. You didn't almost finish Izzy. Like, uh, and I wouldn't say Kelvin necessarily. I mean, if you're if. In my mind, if you rock somebody, you almost finish them. You're, you're a degree closer than you could possibly be, you know, minus like literally the ref almost stepping in. I mean, like that's the only way you can go farther than rocking somebody. And he rocked him. You know, that was a really close, incredible fight. It was a fight of the year for a reason. Fight of the year usually aren't one-sided, dominated fights. Vittori's fight was not a fight of the year contender for a reason because it no. was mostly one-sided, mostly one-sided. He might have won a round. Might have won around. Uh, one well, judge yeah, gave exactly. the fight to him, which was nuts. But at most, he won one round. That's what I'd say. If you really want to rock, um, check out Limp Biscuit, guys. Just uh, <laughs> if you want to rock, baby. Um, do you Dude, think? Greg. So here's a question: Do you think Burns will bounce back from his loss? Was the other side of Master Fisher's question? Do you think Burns what? will bounce back? What do you think? I, I just, to be honest, when I when I watched that the other day, um. I know we spoke about this already, mm. but that emotional response to that was was really jarring, actually. Yeah. You know, it, look, I think it's great that he, he did that and he was comfortable enough to do that there. And obviously, that's what it means. That's what being a champion meant to him. So you have that factor, first of all, like that this this guy is distraught mm. um, after this defeat. And fair play to him for going out and speaking to the media. I think that was absolutely brilliant sportsmanship there. But there's also the fact that you have to now go through that that title grouping. And he managed to avoid a lot of the guys, right? Mm. Like, he managed to avoid, uh, you know, Leon Edwards, Colby, um, Jorge Masvidal, all these dudes. Like, it's going to be a tougher path, I'd imagine, to, to get back into that yeah. situation again. And who knows if, I, you know, he might, and he's going to have to fight Usman again if Usman's the champion. Yeah. And, and he is that he is that mental advantage over him now that I took your best shot and came back and knocked you out. So I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for Gilbert Burns. If he does it, it will be fantastic. But I do feel as though it, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to get back um, and fight for the title again. Yeah, I think the key thing is uh, exactly what you you know were saying there about how jarring it was to see him that emotional. I mean, I don't think I've seen somebody cry like that after a loss, just like 
uncontrollable sobbing since like Joe Daddy Stevenson after BJ Penn put him into a you know bloody mess. That was probably the most emotional I've seen somebody outside of that. And um, from my from my take, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And controlling your emotions is notoriously difficult. You know what I mean? Uh, how do you keep that in check effectively? And I think that's the biggest thing because. He could have won that fight, and it's like you said, kicking himself. Uh, he could be because he wanted to challenge Usman on the ground and invite him there rather than stand back up. And, of course, you know, as soon as he did get back up, you know, to his credit, I also do think it was for a defensive reason because the moment Gilbert Burns got back up, Usman tried to land a, a massive shot on him. It just, it just didn't happen to land it, but that was also what Gilbert Burns was dealing with in that situation. But you add that in there and how he handled being rocked himself, the composure between the two, this is something you know I also said on Sunday about this, but the composure between Usman taking being rocked and uh, Gilbert Burns taking being rocked was just night and day, night and day. You could see the heavy breathing, you could see the emotional adrenaline response. You didn't see that nearly as much in Usman. Usman got right back on the game plan. He got right back on the horse. And so I think Burns, that's going to be the biggest question for him. Can he keep those emotions in check uh, as he's coming back around? I do think he can. I think he's capable of it. He's a Mundials champ. He's been a champion on a world stage before. I think a lot of times <clears throat> you you do see that. You see Triple C get annihilated in the first DJ fight, and he comes back. You know, um, So I think it's absolutely possible. I think he's young enough in his career to make those changes. So... Um, yeah, I, I give him uh, I give him some credit to bounce back. Will he beat Usman in the second fight if they were to fight again? It, it's hard to pick against the guy who won the first time. But I do think yeah. he's capable of getting another title shot. I do think that. Would so. you agree with me, Jay, that it will be a lot more treacherous path for him towards the title if he does manage to get back there? Because I really feel mm. that like when you look at the top of the bracket, he's missed a lot of the the key title contenders at the moment. And of course he's the guy right. who was knocking off the title contenders to get there. Sure. Sure. So I'm not trying to take away from the wins he got, but I mean, when you look at the likes of Covington, where he's at now, Masvidal, yeah. where he has yeah. been, uh, Leon Edwards, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, all these guys, it's going to be incredibly difficult, right? I do agree. Cause yeah, like my, if you, you know, in hindsight at the time, you know, we didn't necessarily know who's going to win that fight. Um, but we, we already did, of course, know. I mean, Gilbert Burns already had knockouts on his win. We had a good feeling. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a good fight for him, a really good fight for him. Yeah. Style-wise, it just matched up well. I mean, it's a Mundials champ up against you know somebody else who's as accomplished as he is um, in many ways in, in that sport, but didn't have the boxing, didn't have the stand-up. Gilbert Burns had that, and so naturally that's where the fight ended, and that's how he got the win. Woodley was really impressive because that was his first fight back after his loss to Usman. And so we didn't necessarily know that he was that far down from what he was. You know, I think that we learned in that fight that Woodley may have been in a different fighter and it was cemented in the Colby fight. And I, th I think Colby was the better fighter no matter what. You know, I think if Woodley was in a better shape of mind, you know, Colby probably still would have won that fight. I, I just think Colby was better on the night. But Woodley then versus the one that beat Till versus the one that was beating Stephen Thompson, I don't care how boring it was. He was just that dangerous and rock Stephen. A much better striker by all accounts in terms of technical ability. Still rocked him, hurt him. The person who got hurt the most was Stephen Thompson. That was against that. And then he also had the wrestling beside him to keep Mai off his back when Mai was killing people, you know, just going straight through people, including Masvidal, you know. 
Um, so I think you make a really great point that Colby's going to be a tougher fight than Woodley was because obviously he beat him. So that, that, that affirms that. And then you look at somebody like Leon Edwards. I think that's a much tougher fight than Maya was. Steven Thompson is a totally different kind of fight. Can he get him to the grounds? Does that look like the Dan Hooker fight did at lightweight? I mean, you bring up a really good point. He's in a tough position now, but um, is he capable of doing it? Absolutely, yeah. I think he is. Um, 34, though, as well. 34, yeah. Yeah, he's um, – uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to keep interviewing people my age because so is uh, Michael Chandler. I mean, Michael Chandler could just lose his next fight. You know, you never know how these things are going to go. But uh, a lot of these fighters, they go on pretty late, you know. Um, the championship well, level Chandler. fighters. Michael Chandler's knocking on the door now. Yeah. Surely we don't consider Gilbert knocking on the door of that title now, you know? That's that's the big difference, I'd say. Hmm. And and Chandler's got the momentum. Like, I mean, he set sure. the world on fire, man. Yeah. After he came on the live chat, like, his stock has just came through the roof. Yeah. I mean, people, they have their own times. You know, GSP came back at 38, but that's GSP. And he beat Michael Bisbing, who was the same age. Um, so, I mean, Michael Bisbing, his resurgence at 38, that, that might even be a better example. But, you know, I don't think it, that Michael Bisbing's opposition was as tough as what we're seeing at welterweight right now, to be fair How on that. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, he did a great job. Because he's a European. Oh, he's got an easy one. That McGregor guy had an easy run. Gilbert Burns. Oh, amazing. Michael Chandler, amazing. Sick of this. How old is uh, Yuri Prohaska? I don't think he's even, he's like 27. 28. So you were very close. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering because he's been around for so long and are we underestimating how old he might be just because he's Miles just now getting to the UFC and he's he's been to other uh, organizations and been champion in places like Ryzen. But uh, no. But yeah, I think you bring a up a good point. A lot of people say that about um, James Galler as well because he had his first professional fight when he was 13. Yeah. Whoa, 13? So, I didn't know that. Jesus Christ. He fought a 22-year-old man and bet him. Oh, <laughs> like he beat man. him up. It's like Nick Diaz being 16, but 13, dude, like you're still in like the throes of your early puberty, like from 11 to 13, people are still just hitting puberty. People don't give that guy enough credit, man. He's a savage. I know. I get it. Like, you know, you're, you're wound up by what he does online, but man, he is a, a savage of a man. Like a 13 year old dude stepping in against a 20 odd year old. I know we used to think we could do it, but to actually prepare for a fight and get in there in a pair of shorts against a fully grown man and then win it's, ins it's insane <laughs> lucky enough for him john kavanaugh was at that fight and he was like well this can't happen again we <laughs> <laughs> like, gotta take this kid away from these people and um train him train him up and that's what happened um, i but, think for people that are really paying attention you know he's a prospect but we just need to see him against some decent opposition at this point that's oh yeah thing. yeah you know it's funny how they handled aaron pico um and then how they handled james <laughs> yeah like i mean Somewhere in the middle is probably the right answer. But you also can't criticize James for taking these fights if that's what they're putting on the table, right? Like, sure. I mean, they're paying him for I'm it. I'm fighting at home. I'm, I'm the main event. I'm doing so much in terms of marketing. Like, that guy, when they come to Dublin, it feels like he's on every TV station, every mm. radio show, every newspaper. And then he has to still get in there and fight. So, I mean... Well, here's the rough I thing hate it. I always think about. I think about poor Ricky Bondejas because he beat such a, a big oh, name in the yeah. promotion. 
who who's he fight right after that? Juan fucking Archuleta, you know, who was who was their champ. Um, and then he gets Sergio Pettis in uh, his second to last fight, and Leandro Higo. Leandro Higo used to be a champ. It's just like Jesus Christ. But the thing is, that's most annoying about it, Jay, is like he was actually developing storylines with the European fighters from the European series. Mm. Like people were like the European fan base. Although we took out two of our guys, yeah, we really big fans of Ricky Bandeas and yeah, love yeah, the way yeah. he fights. Yeah. And so they were all fancy matchmaking. Oh, what about this? What about this? Mm. He was in a conversation with nearly every 135er in Europe because everybody loved this guy. Look at what he's doing. He's taking out big names over here. Yeah. And then he's just gone. Yeah. And you're like, dude, why did you do that? Like when he signed for Bellator, the UFC were after him. Everybody was after him. It was a real coup for Bellator to get him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they handled him well. Um, but he is a talent. I guarantee you. We have not heard the last of Ricky Bandeas. The kid is a badass. Yeah, I agree with you on that too. Hopefully, hopefully they give him another shot somewhere soon, or he just gets some regional wins, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, great question there from Master Fisher uh, asking somehow we got that from Burns. I think we were just talking about age groups and how long people have been Sorry, around. Master yeah, yeah, no, we're we're I'm I'm tracking with you. I love it. Um, Uncle Denzel, <laughs> okay, great name. Um, Five dollars. How do y'all think TJ will perform on his comeback with uh, his extra vitamins? <laughs> Uncle, uh, without, oh, okay. I, I assume that he uh, is still going to be on them. <laughs> uh, Uncle Denzel, um, going with y'all in there. He must be from the South as well. That's the biggest indicator for anybody around the States. But, um, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> oh, man, how do I want to answer that? I think he's probably still going to be on something, but I think they're all on something at the end of the day. But let's say he is without it. Um yeah, I mean, I like the idea of the Faber fight. I love that because it, it's it's a big name. It's a big grudge. Put you right back into the title picture after a win over a big name like that. I mean, people were talking about that with Edgar and Munoz. I mean, if he beat, I mean, he got knocked out in vicious fashion, what happened with Edgar. But if he beat Sandhagen, then we'd be talking about Edgar right back into it. And I think it's a similar situation for TJ Dillashaw to go up against another big name. Um that could thrust him right into a title picture. I absolutely think it could. And it's one of the biggest fights they can put on the division, even though it's a few years removed from the epicenter of their breakup as, you know, a fight camp. Your thoughts? I'll tell you what, I, I don't, whatever about TJ. One one thing I, I feel <laughs> like. Whatever about TJ. <laughs> one thing we Toss don't it. talk about though with this sport is like, right, Barry Bonds, pisses hot, disgraced. Lance Armstrong pisses hot, disgraced, uh, world titles taken off him, everything. Why is it in the sport where people are literally trying to hurt each other with their bodies that they're filling up full of these performance-enhancing drugs? We have no problem with them coming back. And that isn't just MMA. That's in boxing as well. Um, it's another American sports. Was to hot a million times. Mm. Um, Diego Maradona tested positive for something in the 1994 World Cup. Utterly disgraced. Like, nobody... Nobody wanted to touch off them. And we just do like six months and they're back in there. Mm. It's crazy, right? Like surely in all of sports, this is the one where it should be taken most seriously. Mm. Like, I mean, yeah, okay. Your bike race was really important. I get that. You, you know what I mean? Or whatever. But these guys are literally kicking the shit out of each other. <laughs> and if they put something in their bodies to make them better at kicking the shit out of people, that makes it really, really weird. And I just never understood it. Like with, with Jones as well, like Jones hasn't, Jones hasn't pissed hot once. Like it's a lot of times. 
You know, it, it, like I don't think they can. They, they can't just put him through that. a test. Yeah, can yeah. he even can he even pass a test anymore with this picogram stuff? Like, I mean, mm. it's insane that it's just like, oh, he's done his sentence. Uh, we look like you know we're looking forward to the fight, and I understand it because that's what it is. That's the trend. That's what happens in this sport. But mm. it's just crazy, right? Compared to all the other sports, this one is the one where we're like, nah, he'll be back in six months. Well, I will say NFL and NBA, it's much more laid back as well. And the testing well, is way less well, stringent. The testing is way less stringent. Um, so let me throw this back at you. Devil's advocate. The UFC okay. didn't have <laughs> um, steroid testing for almost the first 10 years of being around. You know, you look at when Zufa took over in 2001, was right, like they had just gotten to New Jersey, uh, their state athletic commission. And... Uh, barely anybody you know tested positive back then because the, you know they're so comically light on testing and even before usada i mean everybody always joked that it was an intelligence test and people even still say that about usada to a degree now uh but playing devil's advocate when it was basically an unmitigated thing we got you know the the smashing machine and we got mark coleman you know like we got all these dudes that are roided to the gills i mean it's to the point where like i don't know if you saw this on twitter mark coleman uh somebody posted this picture of him just like looking super jacked holding both like the tournament belt and the first inaugural heavyweight belt just looking incredibly jacked and somebody was like oh yeah you were clearly on steroids and he just commented back well, yeah, <laughs> like there's not even denial about that phase where people were just taking the shit out of steroids, going in there, doing the damn thing. I mean, you know, Ken Shamrock was one of the first stars in the sport, famously. Even Hoist Grace never looked the part, but tested positive for it. And one of the most disappointing things when he fought Sakuraba uh, again, uh, what was that, in K1 by the time they fought the second time, like 2006. So that being said, when it was totally unmitigated, nobody even gave a fuck nobody like nobody really got that injured are you sure about that i don't know who who's coming to mind that did get that injured like we don't have any well, paraplegics Fisher from that era and now is do you think that would be different than the usada era i don't know but it's i don't think it'd be any different like, look, like i they, think the beatings they, he took he would be taking now yeah, yeah, okay. But look, the UFC sold the company for four point four billion after they brought up the USADA deal. Like that was a that was a, a situation they put in place to sell that company, to make it look as legitimate as they could. They got the uniforms like the NFL and they brought in the drug testing. Sure. So I mean it's it, for me, if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna go to that level and put that value on say, like, look at us, we're a legitimate sport. I mean, they have to get that that end of it right. Like I don't agree yeah, yeah. with the USADA thing. I know that's contrary to what um, I'm saying here, but they haven't got that right either because on the, on the same way, the as way like, they go about it, you don't agree with it. No, yeah, like yeah. They, they got it all wrong. That's why a union's important. We look, we've come for, we've come full circle here. We've come full circle in the NBA in the NFL, all these other things, the athletes have a say in what way they're tested. They have a certain amount of rights that they put forward to these um, bodies and they get to have a call, get to have a say in what way it's done. We don't have that in the UFC. Right. You know what I mean? So I think, I think if you are going to go out of your way to put forward this squeaky clean image, like you got to police it correctly. You yeah. know, you've, you've got to like, I mean, and they haven't done that. Look, I, I don't have the answer as to how to do it, mm -hmm. but I do think it's a bit sneaky elevating the stock of this company through the roof. Look how perfect we are. And then on one side, you can piss off forever and you'll basically just get a suspension and come back and, and do exactly as you are doing. 
you know, getting all the great fights, all the championship bouts, all that kind of stuff. And then on the other side of it, there's people getting like their cold careers tarnished. Yeah. And it turns out that just the testing was a bit wrong. You know, it's just <laughs> for me, it, it's all over the place. I know that's that's not a I don't have a lovely bow on that, but I don't think anyone can put a bow on it. Yeah, but it just it's feels messy. a bit disingenuous. It's messy as shit. I think you're it's... right though. You're right though. It did happen for years, but when you're elevating the level of professionalism like the UFC have, yeah, you should be able to do it to a better level. I believe. I think it's one of those things. It's like because the tests are based around what they find in retrospect. You know what I mean? It's like mm. they don't know these drugs exist until they exist, so they don't know how to test for them because they have their own, you know. Uh, their own fingerprint they have that that's undetectable otherwise you know what i mean and so this happens all the time you know like um one of the things so you know i've talked about more plates more dates on here <laughs> just a couple times because he's really interesting because he, he talks about pharmacology quite a lot and literally comes from a background where he takes steroids and competitively lifts so he he's just like yeah i, I take all this shit and this is what happens and this is what we get by with straight up this is how it works and he talks about hgh for instance in um a lot of professional sports because their detection window is just so short so many people take it particularly in the nba and nobody gets it i think that's happening in one extent or another in mma no matter what i mean it's like the closest comparable most mundane thing i can compare it to is cheating on a test like everybody's cheating all throughout high school in America and in college. I can't speak for the Irish system. I can't speak for the UK system, but I suspect no. it's probably the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not Nobody indeed. cheats it. Nobody does. No, not one person. I yeah. think um, I think it's an out of control problem that will consistently be that way. And the best thing you can do is try to do something, but you're probably not catching the vast majority of it. Uh, and it's unfortunate because we want a fair sport. And I think what happened in the Barry Bonds case is an outlier situation. I think what happened in the Lance Armstrong case is also an outlier situation of it really became this big media thing. But the famous thing about Lance Armstrong is all his teammates cheated and they ratted on him. He never got caught. The reason why they ratted on him is because they were like, we've got on good authority that you're cheating. And if you don't rat, then you're going to have your career go down the tubes and so as a result, those guys all had amnesty. So their records are just fine, even though they did the exact same thing. Not all of them. There's some they, guys his like teammates. and your man Landis. Those guys got done as well. Um, there's a great book about that called The Secret Race mm. um, by Tyler Hamilton. Like, I mean, they got done as well. Right. Like, that's, well, not his teammates, you know? though. His teammates, the ones that ratted on him, got amnesty. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I they're thought fine. Landis and Hamilton were his teammates. I don't know. <laughs> I don't actually know. I've seen the documentary where they're talking and say, yeah, we just did it because we didn't want to get in trouble. So maybe they had some trouble, but it was at least mitigated. But in the documentary, Icarus is what I'm talking about. But yeah, maybe they did. Yeah. yeah. We could look into it, but it, there's no easy answer, right? Like it's, there's really it's, not. Well, I do think it's more dangerous in this sport and, and the likes of boxing than it is in the vast majority of sports. And I know I said NFL and poo-pooed it earlier, but you're dead right. <laughs> NFL is extremely violent. It's crazy violent. So, I mean... More just... more injuries there. Serious long-term uh, with uh, concussions and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah. But the, th the thing is, like, I mean, we, we hear about KSW. People always say, like, um, because they have those big, huge bodybuilders and, and this and that, like, mm. people always correlate like oh these guys are juicing what about every other organization apart from the ufc yeah none of them have drug testing like i know they do some <laughs> random drug testing yeah. at bellator like i mean right it's amazing the way they go oh that promotion there uh -huh. that's the one with the steroid guys and you're like dude have you been watching the usada flags on mm. the ufc 
Have you been? What? Where's the drug testing in Ryzen? Where's the drug testing oh, yeah. anywhere apart from the UFC? So the UFC deserve credit, but they haven't done it well. They haven't done it perfectly, and I, I don't know if anybody ever will, to be honest. So it's it's complicated. Yeah, it's definitely like if I were to sign up for careers, that would not be one of them. Like, uh, like <laughs> I love the sport and I love being around it, and it would be cool. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't want to see them like pissing as well like because you have to watch them it's like oh jesus christ it sounds like the worst job on the planet it's just uh just trying to be in charge of that i just don't think you can stop it i mean it's it's exactly like cheating on a test because people like some you know some places are really stringent you know i've seen people do it in classes where the teacher has been up front in their syllabus to say if you cheat in this college university class if you do that i'm straight up reporting you to the you know like the board, I don't know, whatever it is, the, uh, the college that they're a part of, and you can't take classes here anymore. Like I've seen people go that hard. I saw one person cheat on a college paper and they got kicked out of the class and kicked out of college for it. one paper because the, the teacher just had that much of a hard on for cheating that he just got rid of the dude. It was just some random guy who cheated on a paper at my university. So it's like people cheat for the most mundane shit all the time, you know? Um, even even though they're the biggest risk behind it, you know, um, there's always the light at the end of the tunnel that people are looking at. And they're like, oh, I can get away with it. I'll, I'll be fine. I can drink. I <laughs> I can drive drunk. They won't catch me. <laughs> uh, you see that all the time. You know, there's plenty of people getting caught doing that every day. Um, it's not a it's not a comfortable topic to talk about because people love this idea of it's right and wrong. The right thing to do is get rid of it. All right. Well, how do you do it? Let, let's put you in charge yeah, then. Let's so put you in charge. Problem, yeah. Right? Like it's so hard to have a definitive line on it that that gives it closure. Like it's just it's always an open ended conversation where everyone's yes. like everyone at the end is just like, well, I don't fucking know either. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. what do you what do you like you don't want TRT Vitor knocking out Michael Bisbing's fucking eyeballs. You know what I mean? Like that's not what literally happened, but in effect, that's what happened down the line. He lost an eye as a result of it. We don't want that. But we also don't want someone in the middle of boning their wife <laughs> like getting called up. And then meanwhile, they're looking at your dick while you're peeing because it's that crazy stringent. And you got Nick Diaz live streaming calls that he's having with you. It's like, look, man, I'm trying to go to bed. Let me just go to bed. <laughs> like, you know, like it's uh, you don't want either of those things. I mean, it's just like, what, what are you going to do? You know, it's unfixable bullshit at the end of the day, I feel like. But anyhow, um, just like my hair, just like <laughs> just like mine, too. It's getting way too goddamn long. Justin Bieber territory. Um, Kyle Lind, uh, Linderman, if all MMA fighters are independent contractors and don't really have workers' rights, is it even possible to have a union? Well, yeah, because um, when you look at NBA players, they're employed by their essentially their equivalent of a club. They're not employed by the NBA. The NBA it's collective bargaining. Yeah, it's collective bargaining. They don't work for the NBA. They yeah. work for their team. If you play for the the Nuggets, for instance, the Denver Nuggets, I don't know what they do these days. I used to be a massive '90s fan, and I guess everybody was when Jordan was around. But if you played for the Denver Nuggets in the uh, the '90s, you weren't you were playing in the NBA, but you don't work for the NBA. You work for the Nuggets. It's very similar to that. It's just that they happen to be on their own. It's a very similar process. But a uh, great question, though. I mean, it's definitely worth asking. Faith Rock says it's like the war on drugs. It can't be won. Um, they're on steroids, Nate Diaz, and WWE. <laughs> I don't get the WWE part, but, I mean, I guess it, it basically applies. 
Um, Jake the Snake, everybody's on steroids. Uh, Luke Thomas. Yeah, I mean, Luke Thomas definitely gets lambasted for his views on it. His, his are really slippery. Luke Thomas will sometimes just straight out advocate for it, but not advocate for it. I don't really know what he's going for. I think what... I think if I could sum up Luke Thomas's view, it's more like they should do it from a PR perspective because it looks good, but maybe not be as hard as you're going because you can't stop it anyway. I'm I'm just like, we, that like sounds like a terrible just... prescription to me. I don't, I don't think that's the answer either. I don't know. I, I think it's like Luke's take is, is, is more nuanced than what the discussion, what we've just had there. But I, I do yeah, feel like sure. it's, he doesn't have a bow on it either. I don't think anybody has a bow on it. I don't think Jeff Nowitzki has a bow no, on it. No, I don't think he does. Know, he, just, he just doesn't. It's I, very complicated. I would love to like do a dedicated study on that. And uh, I would love to talk to people like the More Plates, More Dates guy. I would love to talk to somebody like Luke Thomas. I would love to talk to somebody like Jeff Nowitzki and just get like a real well. rounded Jeff picture. Does a lot of media. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Um, I've interviewed him twice. I mean, he's he's as open a book as he can be. Like, and he just give you a straight up answer if he doesn't know. Like, look, that we we don't know how we're gonna fix that situation. We're trying to. We have these theories on what we can do. Mm. Like, he, he's very open. He, I like he's a great get for the UFC. But like anything, like I mean, his him catching Lance and him chasing him down took a decade nearly or something. So I mean, it's gonna take a long a long time to foil this down and get all the the creases out of this. Well, uh. Let me pose this question to the audience. Would you guys appreciate seeing guests like that on the show? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, it's easier said than done. But uh, would you guys appreciate seeing guests like that on the show uh, and to talk about this kind of thing? And we're also just considering guests on the show in general, period. You know, just more blanketly. I'm kind of curious to get your guys' thoughts. And have you guys a part of it? You know, have you guys asking questions, um, things like that, like what we're seeing now in the chat? But um I would love to do that. And then we could incorporate some of that into a, a nice, you know, talk about putting a, a bow on it as much as we can to get these different perspectives and make that one feature video based off these live chats in one way or another. So if you guys are interested in that, just let me know. But uh, I think it would be a fascinating thing to, to tr probably start doing. We could use this in more ways than one on these live chats of not just being a chance to talk with you guys, not just being a chance to talk about, you know, I think it's almost cathartic for us to go to, through some of these issues because it's fun to talk about, but then also bring on guests that are in the know about these specific issues and really deep dive with them because I would love to know about, you know, what the critics are saying in the Luke Thomases. I would love to know what the experts who are in charge of the situation and used to actually run USAD. I mean, he's the one that caught Lance Armstrong. Um, I would love to see someone like that's take. And then uh, the more plates, more dates guy. I just like the idea because he's just like, I'm on steroids. This is what I do. <laughs> this I'm pretty sure you work for that site. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. sure I'm pretty sure I do too. Yeah, yeah. He's giving me a couple of bucks on the side here. But anyhow, I think we're uh, ready to wrap it up. You guys have been a ton of fun to hang out with on this one. Um, really enjoy these every single week. Uh, really enjoy your feedback. Really enjoy everything that you guys bring to the conversation. Um, so I guess in the meantime, we'll be getting ready for tomorrow's video. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Appreciate you joining us. If you can. Yeah, if you can stay up, especially for the uh, European folks out there. So, yeah. Aspinall on out. Hashtag Aspinall on out. That's me for the weekend. I'm just going to. <laughs> You're just there for the Nate Landewear fight. Clarksville, St. B, represent. Um, but yeah. Missouri, baby. Missouri. <laughs> Missouri. <laughs> just randomly Missouri. But uh, you guys have a great day, and uh, we'll see you on the next video. Peace out, homies.